This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Hey, it's Joanne and Brie, and we are rerunning our very first episode of the No Guilt Mom podcast so that you can learn all about our No Guilt Mom mindset. Yes, this is one of our most popular episodes. And you know what? I think it's just because it is a really good message about what are the things as a No Guilt Mom that we can do, we can think about, we can work with. It is a great, great message, and we hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to episode number one. I'm the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, and I'm joined here by my lovely co-host, Brie Tucker. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? And we are super excited today to bring you this very first episode. I know, it's the first one ever. It is going to be fantastic, and we're kicking it off with a good one. We are going to be running you down the No Guilt Mom mindset, because we, as No Guilt Moms, these are the ideals that we're trying to achieve. Uh, It's always about progress, not perfection. Practice makes progress. I like that. Yes. Practice makes progress. And mistakes, they're wonderful opportunities to learn. That's all we all have to learn. So Exactly. So here we go. You want mom life to be easier. That is our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids. And we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our own lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Let's start talking about this No Guilt Mom mindset because I tell people a lot that I do not consider myself like a total No Guilt Mom. I have not achieved No Guilt Mom. I still have a lot of guilt, but there are are things I'm working through. I think 
everybody has a certain degree of that guilt. It's, it, I mean, it, and the guilt is even just like, gosh, I really wish I could have done that better. I really wish I could have done that differently. Yeah. And it just all, our whole job is just to try to work towards moving past that, getting to the point where we're happy and we're feeling content with what we have going on. Exactly. And this yeah. mindset is all, is it going to be six things? The six no guilt mom commandments, and I might go into Hamilton. No Ooh. guilt mom commandments. <laughs> do, 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 do. Number one. Okay. That was there a good go. transition. Right? I like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so number one, showing love for my family does not mean doing everything. Can I can I just be like, heck yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah on that one. Because I feel like Many times I will try to do everything in the house. I'll tell myself, oh, my gosh, if I can just get all this laundry folded and the meal prepped and the house clean, then then I will have done enough for the day. But that's not the case. No, even if you get that done, which, uh, hello, life happens yeah. in between there. But let, let's say like you're able to get everything done that you had on that list. You're still going to probably feel like you could have done more. Exactly. Like my husband just sent me that cartoon this morning because yeah. I, I'm a big <laughs> – I usually do a lot during the day and then I'm like, but I didn't get this done and I didn't get this done. And it's all about focusing like on that negative sometimes. You get into that negative mindset mm. when really – if we want to feel better about ourselves and good about ourselves, it's focusing on what we did do versus what we didn't do. Can I just have a quick question for you? Yeah. Do you ever do that to your kids? No. Focus on the no. I mean, focus no. on the positive. Ever tell oh. them like they're <laughs> having a rough day? Yes. Then yes, like, I change my answer. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, you do that for your kids. Why can't we do that for ourselves? I know we hold ourselves to like an impossible, <sighs> an impossible high standard that we can never reach and never makes us feel good. Right. Um, and a lot of us confuse doing everything with how we show our love. Like I see this a lot in parents who want to create the perfect school lunch for their kids mm. and then make sure that their kids are totally comfortable, make sure their kids like get to their classes on time, make sure the kids have like their shoes by their door. Uh, and it, it just all draw- this preparation. It's all this preparation. Yeah. And I think it, it drives us as moms a little batty. Because if you forget one step, then not only do you have your own internal blame, yeah. but then a lot of times it becomes external as well. Like, mom, why weren't my shoes by the door? I know. That's- mom, I was missing my napkin in my lunch. What was I supposed to do? I didn't. Yeah, we have an example of that, actually, because we were waking up my daughter for her online classes for maybe the first week. And the first day that we got really busy in the morning and slept in, she came to us and was like, no one woke me up for school. And I just sat there and I looked at her and I'm like, wait, whose responsibility is it to wake you up for school? And she's 11. And she should not. She just not like that. She gave you the eye roll and walked out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's what I get. (laughs) A lot of eye rolls, hair flips. The mm, face. I wish, I wish you could see my expression right now. Just the mm. We both have daughters that are the same age. They're actually in the other room while we're recording this episode. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very, very similar. Love that preteen 11 going on 16 yes. personality. But that's the first, yeah. first mindset in yes. the no guilt mom mindset. It's showing love for my family does not mean doing everything. That is something that I tell myself all the time when I am completely hard on everything that I'm not doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think that's true in many, many different areas. So so let's go on. What's number two? Number two. My kids will learn through mistakes. 
This is a big one. Oh, I love this one. I, I really try to live this one. This is definitely one of my personal mantras. Yes, because our kids are going to make mistakes. They are going to fail. We want them to fail. Like, we want them to have that experience of, I don't want to say it, well, I'll put it heavily, crushing disappointment at this age that they did not get what they wanted. Because I think at this age, when they're young, when they're still at home with us, Mm -hmm. where they're under our roof, where we're paying Mm -hmm. for what they have, where they're taken care of, mistakes and failures, oh, they are the best ways to learn. Right. And you know what? We're still there to kind of help, Yeah, help cheer them on. We can, Help them focus, move forward. Because there's going to be a time we're not here. Because, oh. for example, like say say a kid, say your kid forgets their lunch at home. Mm. Do you bring it to them? Do you not bring it to them? What you, do you do? Oh, well, in my case, oh, it's it's flat out of like, oh, that's rough. Yeah. Oh, good thing you got money in your account for lunch. Yeah. You know, that's actually, that is exactly how I roll so that, that my kids would totally tell you that. Yeah. I'd be like, well, too bad. So sad. Mm-hmm. I've gotten the homework call from school before and the bind, but there's like a huge binder my daughter's school uses. And I have, when it worked into my day, I've dropped off the binder, but it wasn't one of those things where like I dropped everything to drop her binder off at school. Mm-hmm. She needed it right then. And I'm like, can't do it right then. I can do it though in three hours. And she wasn't happy about that. And she missed some of her classes that she needed that binder for. But that was the only time that year that she forgot the binder. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, it, that is, it's very true about all of us. I mean, think about a time when you've had something happen. And um, right now, of course, I'm blanking. But I make plenty of mistakes all the time. And uh, and you just, you have to learn from that not to do it again. I guess one example I can think of is uh, sleeping in. That is a, that's a huge problem of mine. Like anybody that knows me knows that I am always late. No matter what you tell me, no matter what time you give me, I will always be late to it because I always think I've got a little bit more time. Yeah. I can squeeze like three more things in. That's usually the late mindset. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. then like my, yeah. So my, my idea is I can just get a few more things done and I'm always late. So like sometimes we'll be running somewhere. And we'll be sitting in the car and I'll be really frustrated. So I'm breathing to kind of calm down. And my my daughter will be like, Mom, I wish you wouldn't be so upset. I'm like, it's okay. What did we learn from this? And it's silence in the car. <laughs> the truth is, is that whenever I'm the one that messes up, nobody wants to point out my mistakes. And that, that's fine. I totally get it. Like, it's a little weird pointing out to your parent what their mistakes are. But I'll be like, we learned that mom really has to get up at 630, doesn't she? Because getting up at 7 does not get us out of the house by 730. I think that's a great way to teach that, though, because yeah. it's not just kids making the mistakes. Like, we as adults make plenty of mistakes. Right. And whenever we, like, explain, oh, this was something that happened to us, right. it shows, number one, that that it's okay to make mistakes. And number two, that this is how you recover. This right. This is how you get it back after you make a mistake. Right. And just that we can move on. You will get better from it because – yeah, it's it's important to be able to do that, to show them that mistakes are wonderful opportunities to learn, to grow, to figure out new ways to do things. Exactly. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, 
rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick Trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Hey, all, it is Joanne and Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe. And it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Exactly. So that was number two. My kids will learn through mistakes. Number three. All right. I'm allowed to say no. Oh my gosh. This is such a big one for me because somebody will ask me to do something and I'll, I'll go through my head. I'm like, well, I could technically fit that in between this and this. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is like, I'm a crazy lunatic trying to get everything done. Yep. And then you're upset at yourself yes. for not getting it done. And then sometimes it can move on to that next level. Then now you start to resent other people for even asking you to have done it. But they mm-hmm. had no idea what your schedule was like. They no. had no idea what you were taking on. No. And it was hard for me personally to accept no from other people. Oh. Did you ever have that? If you ask somebody to do something and they're like, no, I can't do it. Like for me, I was like, well, why did she say she couldn't do that? I would have dropped everything to do it for her. Oh. And that was a problem with my mindset, and that was not a problem with them. They had very healthy boundaries, and at that time, I did not. There were times, yes. I would say there were probably some times where I'm like, oh, but come on. I would have done it for you, but it, but – for the most part, yeah, I kind of just roll with like, it's totally fine if you say no. Yeah. I don't want that kind of guilt or like, I, I jumped that, I jumped that shark to the next level where I'm concerned then that that person's going to resent me about something. Oh, I, I have that Because I know as well. I'll harbor it. Yeah. So I'm like, it's okay. You can say no. You totally can say no. It won't hurt my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's with other adults. 
Not with kids. But I think that's what stops many um, women in particular saying no because we're afraid the other person will harbor resentment against right. us for saying yes. no. Yes. And that's what I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm afraid that it, more so with other adults that they'll harbor resentment. With my kids, if I don't say no, it's not that I'm afraid that they're going to harbor resentment. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that they're going to make my life harder. Yeah. Honestly, that's where that comes from. For At least for me, I'm like, is it easier just to say yes? Sometimes, you know, I've, I've told a story a lot about how I used to be the yes parent because I realized that a yes would get my kids to leave and go do something else instead of trying to ask me a million questions while I'm in like the middle of writing an email or like trying to focus really, really hard on something. And it would be so automatic, the yes. And when, what is probably one time you remember where you were like... They shouldn't have said yes to that. Oh, my gosh. It was when your daughter was over and they <gasps> asked me a question. And I'm like, yes. And I did not even pay attention to what they were asking me. And five minutes later, I walk into the living room and they're doing somersaults off the couches. That sounds like my daughter. And they're like, yeah, you said yes. I'm like, oh, I did. I did say yes. <laughs> but it becomes so automatic. This yeah. trying to please others and trying to make others happy and not wanting to deal with that pushback. When you say no, but that's why it's in the no guilt mom mindset. I'm allowed to say no. Yeah. It's hard to say no. It's hard to set those boundaries, but they're definitely necessary. They are necessary. Yeah. That brings us to number four. Number four, we're going to switch a little gears from our mental mindset to the way that we react with our kids. And this was a good one. Not so much a reaction, but it's kind of proactive. And this is, I don't need to punish my kids to be a good parent. Ooh, now that can be a a really scary statement right there. What do you mean? You don't discipline your children? What do you mean? They're allowed to do whatever they want and just anything happens? That That's what the Karens of the world will come back and say to you. Yes. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you're like, in the Facebook. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, that's no, not what I'm talking about. That's not about. what I mean. So punishment um, is kind of viewed as a reaction to something. Right. And they're not connected really to the actual task. It's like saying, oh, you didn't finish your homework? Well, guess what? You're going to have to poopoo scoop the yard for a week. Like those yeah. two like tasks, they are not related whatsoever. Yeah. And one does not mean like pooper scooping the yard does not mean that your the child is any more likely to do their homework. Right. Right, exactly. So, positive discipline teaches kids the appropriate behavior instead of giving them a punishment in the hope that that behavior will never happen again. Yeah. And there's a lot of talking through the problem. A lot of talking through the problem. A lot of like, what would you have done differently? What can you do differently? How can you make this better? What do you think is going to happen because these were the choices that you made? Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Exactly. I have like my own punishment story. I mean, my parents, my poor parents in this podcast, you're going to hear everything. (laughs) They are wonderful, wonderful parents. And mom and dad, I love you so, so much. And I'm sorry I have to, I'm bringing anything up. So don't think that, don't think that they're not wonderful. But one in particular time, um, I was at school, it was fourth grade, and we'd just gotten school pictures back. And this uh, friend of mine, Heather, was saying how wonderful her school pictures look and how beautiful she looked. And at the time, I was a bit overweight and very unconfident and just entering puberty. And I thought my school pictures were awful. I felt so bad about them. So I, uh, when Heather was uh, out playing on the playground, I took her school pictures and I hid them under a garbage can. (laughs) Because I I just, I, I needed them gone. I needed them gone. I wanted her to feel a little bit of pain. I hid them under a garbage can. I admit it. I was wrong. 
I felt guilty about it. I did. I felt so guilty. <laughs> you know what's funny is that nobody can see your face right now, but you are really reliving this story I'm while so you're reliving talking. It. I'm so reliving she, it. She is so upset when she's talking so about upset. this. I can see like just the remorse going through. Like, why did I do this? Okay, but sorry. I, I felt bad about it, and I felt bad that I reacted that way. Mm-hmm. And so then when my dad picked me up, I was like, oh my gosh, Heather lost her pictures today after school. Let's go look for them. And so we went to go look for them. And right away, I'm like, oh, let's look under this garbage can right here. Oh, here they are, Dad. Here they are. Uh, and <laughs> your dad was like, mm-hmm. my dad saw right through that, <laughs> being the smart man that he is. And he's like, Joanne, did you hide these? And I'm like, yes, I did. I hid them. And so he had to call Heather's parents. And I was grounded for a week, I think. Well, that grounding, grounding's a punishment. Groundings after the fact. Um, I didn't learn not to hide Heather's pictures. Any, what you learned like, was? I learned to be sneakier about it and not like show my hiding place right away. <laughs> not, not to fess up so openly to things, <laughs> especially to either when asked, you know, hey, no, 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 I, I didn't do it. It just was real. I saw the corner of it sticking out. Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing I learned. But that is true. Like, again, like I, I've i been certified in, in doing positive discipline with parents. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that we talk about a lot is that punishment teaches your children just to be sneakier like a lot of times when they do lie especially at young ages too because because all kids do it Mm -hmm. they're not doing it to be bad they're not doing it to uh to be a a difficult child they're doing it because they're just trying to avoid that punishment avoiding something that had happened before Mm -hmm. Uh, and and sometimes that punishment to them even is just seeing your look of disappointment like, as a kid, I will admit my parents did not have to do a whole lot of punishment with me because they just had that look mm-hmm. that just crushed me. And I would ground myself. I would be like, can't go anywhere this weekend. My parents were like, why? I'm like, I did such a You grounded such. yourself? Yes! <laughs> I was the weirdest I, kid. I can totally identify with that statement because I think the guilt that I put myself through when I did something yeah. was totally like a hundred times worse than anything my parents could have inflicted. Right. And in a situation like that with the garbage can, like if one of my kids did that, I would probably lean into those feelings that they were feeling. Yeah. And I'd be like, so how are you feeling right now? Pretty bad. I'm like, okay, well, why are you feeling bad? And just asking those questions and trying to connect the emotion of hurting someone else with the action that was taken. And you know what I would say too with this, I'm not because I can go down a rabbit hole in this one, so I'll I'll cut this one short. But I do think that sometimes, at least with my kids, and I've had other friends that I've talked with too, and their kids are the same way. Like when we try to start that with the whole, well, how does that make you feel, or what do you think about that? Stop doing that psycho stuff on me, mom. Quit talking about your psychology. I'm like, well, I'm just asking your. How does that make you feel? And and when they get upset and they push back, okay, we'll pause. We'll come back to this later. Mm-hmm. I'll just keep bringing it up. Yeah, I'm like I'm like that lovely, annoying, you know, bad penny that just keeps popping up. Like, we'll bring it up again, and we're gonna eventually talk about this. Mm-hmm. I won't push it too too hard, but we I want them to know that this is important. It's a process to do until they get to the point where they're feeling comfortable, and they they have over time gotten more mm-hmm. and more comfortable. My mentor teacher, when I was student teaching, her name is Cindy, and something she taught me that I will always remember um, about student discipline is that uh, kids who start crying, when they cry, they care. 
And if they're crying, you know that they care about what they did. And you do not have to push them. You do not have to dig any deeper. You know that this situation made an impact on them and uh, your job is done. Then you just comfort and look out for the future. Yeah. So it's a good thing to keep in mind as a parent. When they get upset, they know. They know something. So you don't have to punish. You don't have to punish. You're a good parent. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Good one. All right. What's number five? Okay, number five. Oh, my gosh. When we were making these, we got so excited about number five. Because this is something that, oh, I, I think see. Everybody, everybody, everybody at some point has dealt with this. Everybody. Number five, I need my own thing apart from being a mom. Yes. yes. 100% emphatically, yes. Yes. And you have a story about this. Yes. So I was like, when we were trying to come up with the ideas, I'm like, oh, I have a story I can share in this one. So for those that don't already know my background, um, I am a single mama too. I'm a few years divorced. And um, that divorce was, um, it was very life altering for me on on many, many aspects. But one thing that I found was really rough was when the divorce happened, I, I, I really struggled with who I was. Like I had always, I did, my main identity was my kid's mom. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was my, my children's mom, secondary identity. I was a wife. I, third was me. But, but it was me professionally. I don't even I don't even know if I was fourth or fifth as myself. Like it was I was pretty far back there in that line. So when I uh, got divorced, even when I was reaching out to my friends and and talking to all of you, I, I still saw everybody as my mom friends 
that I was friends with because our kids were friends. Or not, not that's not why. Well, but that's oh, how that's we started how we our friendship. That's yeah. how we met. Yes. We, I was, and so that identity of being a mom was so core. It took me a few years to figure out me and who I was and redefine myself. And that then in turn affected all of my relationships with everybody mm-hmm. in a good way. Like I, I, it was, it was a very it was good. Positive you started thing. kayaking. I started kayaking. Yeah. I found out how much I love live music. I just all kinds of things that I had no idea that that interest was there because I had never allowed that part of my personality to come out. Because again, I felt like it was my duty. Yeah, it was my duty to be Robert and Robbie's mom. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you're alone by feeling that. I think a lot of other moms feel the exact same way that, you know, kids come first, I come second, and right. then I never comes. Right. Right. Because the, there's always going to be something your family mm-hmm. has going on. Always. I, I don't want to say needing you for. But always something that's busy. Yeah. I mean, whether it's like dance that they need being taken to, whether it's Cub Scouts, school, softball, school. Dinner. Like, Friends, like so many, just so many. There's so many obligations in the family that if you don't count yourself as first or put that time in for yourself, it's just never going to happen. So just make sure take take a few minutes to ask yourself that question, like, what do I have for me? Yeah, what what is me? What 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 is it about me that makes me tick? That makes me, and it can't be tied to somebody else. It can't be in the book. Um, and I'll put this book link in the show notes. It's called Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. And she, I would love to have her on the podcast because, oh, I love this book so much. But she calls it unicorn time. It's your unicorn time, the time that you have just for you for a hobby. And she takes it one step further that makes you an interesting person. I love that idea. That makes you a person separate from your family and separate for your from your kids. I am going to start hashtagging that in my house. I'm going to be like, unicorn, uh, time. unicorn time right now. My daughter's probably going to be like, what are you talking about now? Mom, you're so weird. And I just go, yep, yeah. totally. And guess what? You're a lot like me. <laughs> I don't even know what my unicorn time is because I like, like this business. This business has been like my baby and my unicorn time. But it's a business now and it's work. And when that happens and when it like grows and gets successful, I have a hard time shutting it off. Which is, Aww. since Bree started two weeks ago, she's been telling me, I want to see a celebration and I don't want to see you on the laptop. I'm like, <laughs> okay, got it. So and I'm then, in the process of finding my unicorn time outside of No Guilt Mom. You found something you really enjoy now too. Kind of close to my kayaking. The stand-up paddleboarding is tons of fun. Yes. Tons of right? fun. Very yeah. relaxing. So. Very relaxing. And I like food, but I can't do that all the time. But really good food. Like top chef kind of food like going to restaurants and being like really fancy that would be a good one i can yeah so but okay that's something to work on so we're at number six yep number six everyone contributes to this family it is not just me yes that's a big one Mm -hmm. because i think we take on a lot of the roles and especially if you're on social media and people are saying like oh be the ceo of your family and it's like yes but it's part of the family too. Like right. it's not, it's not all on you and you may need to lead the charge to get people in your family contributing. Like it doesn't just happen with a snap of your fingers, but it's also something that you need to believe in your heart that everyone contributes. It is not just all on me to even start making that change of right. everyone in the family contributing. And if you're having a hard time with that, one thing I would ask yourself is, do you believe that everybody has an opinion in your family? 
Mm-hmm. Does everybody have an equal voice or have a voice in the family? Okay, if everybody has a a, a part, a, a stake, and an opinion, then they should also have some effort. Yes, whatever you guys determine is is right for your family is where you should start it. But I'm willing. Okay, there was another good book that we read was um. Oh, wait, it wasn't Distractable. It was uh, the hacking one. The hacking one? <laughs> was it Indistractable? I think indistractable. it was Indistractable. It could yes. have been Indistractable, So there yeah. was a point where they, they made a list. Uh, it, it, the author made a list with his wife of all the tasks that they each do in the house. Yes. And he thought it was so equitable. And then once he looked at it and they actually had it written out side by side, he was like, oh, snap, you do like twice as much as I do. Mm-hmm. And then he realized that he needed to redistribute some some things, priorities in there. And I'm not saying that everybody has to equally divvy everything out, but it yeah. isn't fair. It isn't right for one person to take it all on because what happens when that one person has one too many strains or whatever? I can tell you what happened. She ends yes. up crying on the couch on Christmas Day. Because <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> yes, oh my gosh, I remember that. I was crying on the couch on Christmas Day. And it was like... It was so interesting how it happened, too, because I knew all this stress was building up into me because I, my husband was busy with a project for work. So I had taken on all of the holiday preparations in addition to making sure the kids were everywhere, in addition to running a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after wrapping everyone's presents, deciding what everybody needed to get for presents and making all of those coordinations, I was just I was I was done. But I didn't know I was done until here's the book again, Fair Play, until I read Fair Play. Because in Fair Play, she talks about how she was fighting with her husband and how things were just left over and it was expected almost in her family that she take care of it. And that was the breaking point for her. Yeah. Uh, But after I read that, I was just, I was crying all through that book because I'm like, this is so what is going on. And I think though that breakdown led to a change into how I approached responsibilities in the house. Right. Because after that, I sat down with my husband. I'm like, we need to divvy some things out. And we sat down with our kids and we had a family meeting and we divvied out household chores. Like, I don't even touch the dishes on the sink. They could that be was, piled up. That was eight months ago. And it's still going ago. just fine. It is still going just fine. And, yeah. you know, some things, they don't get done. They don't get done by some members of the family. I don't get some things done in my yeah. responsibilities. Yeah. But... It doesn't mean that other people take over and do them for me and I don't take over and do them for other people. Right. And that's that's a hard shift to make. Right. It is hard. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. My heart is – so we do something similar like to that in our house. And my son took over the duties of cleaning the uh, the guest bathroom and his and his sister's bathroom. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I walk by that bathroom all the time. But yeah. The one downstairs, he knows. That one gets put a little more effort into because it's the one that other people see. And mom sees it, but I, he doesn't know that I walk by the one that's their bathroom all the time. And I'm constantly like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. They're doing their effort. They're doing it. It's okay. Yeah. It's not how I would do it, but that doesn't make it wrong. No, it's, it's a, still getting done. That's hard. That's mm. also very hard because I yeah. hear that a lot with loading dishwashers. Yeah. Like how some members of the family will load a dishwasher and then uh, a parent comes in and reloads the dishwasher because it's not done their way. So in my family, I am horrible at loading the dishwasher. Like spatial perception is just not in my wheelhouse whatsoever. (laughs) It's not. And I will try to cram as many dishes in that dishwasher that I can fit. 
Okay, have you ever not had a dishwasher? Because I, the first few I years. I grew up without a dishwasher. Okay. I was the dishwasher in our house. That's what I was going to say. Like, it affects you in a yeah, way. Like, it's a little so. post-traumatic. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't have a dis- dishwasher at the beginning of my marriage. And, yeah. like, now I'm the same way. I will stuff that sucker full. I will stuff it. Yeah. I don't care. Like, no, I'm not washing dishes. Can it fit? It, yeah. it doesn't have decals on it. It's going in the dishwasher. The task was taken away from me in my house. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not allowed to really touch the dishwasher. My husband is very particular. He has that spatial sense. He is an engineer. Yeah. And he knows how things fit together. And my son has that as well. Um, I would say I passed my spatial abilities down to my daughter. Ah. Because we're both like, it really does not matter how this dishwasher is loaded. And they're both like, yes, it does. It does because their dishwashers are perfect. They're perfect. But, you know, again, it's about letting go and sharing. Okay, Great. Letting go and also realizing your strengths like, mm, and what's yes. important. Because if something's important to you, you take that. Bathrooms in the house are very important to me. I need a clean bathroom. Like, I can't go too far. Yeah. And so I'm in charge of bathrooms. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. With me, yeah, I wouldn't let them touch my bathroom. No. My bathroom is mine. I clean it because I have my standards that I want it to be. And yeah. I'll, I touch up the one at the guest bathroom. But mm-hmm. again, I let them do theirs. I try to let their room go for the most part. I mean, luckily in our case, we have some house rules that they have always respected, like no food in their bedrooms and stuff like that. So we haven't had any cases like that. But if I come in and there's clothes on the floor, I'm working really hard on being like, it is their space. I can't be too rough on them because I'm pretty sure that yesterday there were clothes on the floor in my bedroom. So Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I didn't even do my chores this past weekend. And my husband hasn't done his chores for two weeks now. And my daughter does her chores every single Sunday. And we both feel horrible. <laughs> but it doesn't, like, it's so bad to say this. But it's, and I am. Now Now that I'm saying this, I'm probably going to have to go do the bathrooms. I feel bad now. But <laughs> Later tonight, that'll be your celebratory picture you send me. I'm yeah, doing the I'm bathrooms. doing the bathrooms. We have a clean bathroom. But it's also for me. It makes me feel better and at peace. Exactly. Yeah. The only time you'll catch me cleaning in my house is when I'm avoiding other responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing. I get a really clean house when I have a deadline of something else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It but it's, great. it's good to know that everyone contributes to this family, not just me. So if right. things aren't done, like before I would have seen like some of the dirty places in the house, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm totally failing as a mother because I am not providing a clean environment for my children. That's the mean voice that talks to me in my head. And now I'm like, mm, this is not my thing. I need to just go the other direction. Right. And you know what? Are we still in a good place? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're in a great place. We talked about that um, with another uh, with another friend of yours, Jennifer, about Jennifer. Enough. Jennifer's coming clean up enough. in episode four. Yes. Clean enough. Is it clean enough for your sanity? Yes. So, so in so- review, and first of all, if you guys want these uh, No Guilt Mom mindsets in like a pretty place and you want to post it somewhere, we have it for you at noguiltmom.com slash episode 001. Print them off beautifully. Hang them somewhere to remind yourself okay. that these are these are your mindset, right? This is your mindset. This your is what you're working on. This is what you can tell yourself when you feel bad about something that you are not doing um, or something that you feel pressured to when do. When the guilt. When the when guilt, the guilt is comes in. in. Yes. Yeah. So number one... It's showing love for my family does not mean doing everything. Yes. Number two is my kids will learn through mistakes. We don't have to save them. Mm -hmm. Number three, I am allowed to say no. 
Setting boundaries are fine and they are healthy and they are appropriate. They are appropriate. And Mm -hmm. if other people resent you for saying no, that is their problem. It is not yours. Yep. Number four is I don't need to punish my kids in order to be a good parent. Yes. Positive discipline is where it's at and teaching. Number five, I need my own thing apart from being a mom. Yep. Find out who you are outside of that identity. And then number six, everyone contributes to this family. Dude, not just me. It's not just me. It's not a one pony show. No. Mm-mm. And so that is the no guilt mom mindset. That is the ideal that we are working towards. And we are so happy that you are joining us on this journey. Expect this podcast. We're going to have a lot of interviews. We're going to have a lot of great discussions. And we always welcome your feedback. Email us at hello at noguiltmom.com if you have someone that you want us to interview for the podcast or you have an idea for a future episode. Please share. Please share. Please share. And then leave a rating and review because that helps the No Guilt Mom podcast get listened to by many other moms who need this message and to need, need to feel less guilt and shame in their lives. And until next time, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. Thank you all for stopping by. Have and a good day. We'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.